Hey Oaks, welcome back to another episode of Mental Metals hosted by Aseko. Yeah, but well, how do I pronounce your name? <laughs> Aseko. Aseko. Yes, yes, you got it. And you're in South Africa? Yes, I'm in South Africa. Whereabouts? Um, in Western Cape, George. I doubt you will know. No, no I don't. I've, I've been to Africa four, three or four times, but um, flying into Joburg and then, and then straight out basically to Cape Town or, mm. or somewhere else. It's closer to Cape Town. Closer to Cape Town, okay. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. I love your country. Beautiful country. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Where are you from? I'm from Australia, um, mm. but I'm currently living in Hawaii. Okay, okay, okay. How have you been, though? I've been well, man. I've been well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. well. Okay, uh, I, I think we're going to start now. Um, cool. Usually, um, you when I start my, my episodes, I ask the guests who they are, what they do. So, who is... Who is that? Dylan. Dylan Rose. Dylan. <laughs> Dylan Rose. Okay. Who? Who is? Yeah. Who is he? What does he do? Who am I? I am. I am a masculinity coach. Um, and I, my work, I mentor young men, um, anywhere from eight, uh, sorry, anywhere from fourteen up to twenty-three years old, uh, in my Prince to King program, um, focusing on mental health. Um, confidence, leadership, values, uh, emotional intelligence, you name it. We, we go over it in my mentoring with the young men. And, um, but who am I? Who am I? It's a good question. I am, I, am, I am the beliefs that I have about myself. That's who I am. Yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. So you mentioned something about masculinity coach. What attracted you? Mm on becoming a masculinity coach? Um, so when I was 18 years old um, in Australia, and I'm sure South Africa's got a similar schooling system in terms of that's when high school finishes up. And, and when I was 18, I kind of looked at the world and thought, what am I going to do with myself? I've got no idea what my purpose is. I've got no idea what I want to do for a career. And so... I really started just stumbling around. Um, I went and studied at university. Then that wasn't really for me. Mm. Um, I did a couple internships at Sony Music, at New Balance, at a marketing firm. You know, nothing really piqued my fancy. Then I did a bit of traveling, um, got into real estate. That wasn't for me. Got into hospitality. So working in mm. um, cafes, went back to marketing, went back to cafes. And mm. then finally... Mm. Um, finally, a few years ago, uh, I started working in the men's space and I started hosting events for CEOs, managers, directors, um, with my dad. And we challenged the, the narrative around taking care of ourselves as men. And so we put on a 50, um, 50 person or 50 man breakfast where we did yoga, meditation, and a couple business speakers. Um, and that was really kicked it off. And, and after that event, I was like, yeah, this is 
this is what I want to do. I want to work with men um, and I want to work in this space. And, and so fast forward three years, um, I got really niche with my Prince to King program and, and wanting to work with young men because I remembered what it was like to be 18 years old and not really know um, what I wanted to do and, and having not really been well prepared by the schooling system. So mm. it was born out of that. Um, and as well, I, I suffer from depression and anxiety when I was uh, 20 years old my girlfriend and I went through a really bad breakup and mm. I just didn't have the resources, the tools, the knowledge, the education that I needed um, to kind of work my way through that breakup. And as a result, I did what most men do, which is uh, just push my feelings down and, and get over it. Had one little cry, I remember. And then I, that was it. I got over it. And, you know, that led me to six months of just really bad habits, six months of drinking, partying, mm. eating horrible food. I stopped exercising. And then one week I didn't get out of bed um, mm. for the entire week. And that was when I was like, okay, I put my hand up and said, something's wrong. I need to go see a psychologist. And, and that's when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And so when I looked out into the landscape of, of men, men's mental health, I just thought we can be doing such a better job. And then I thought, well, I can be doing a better job. Um, and so I really um, just stepped up in the space and, and have been working with young boys, young men for about two years now, almost two years. Mm, mm, mm. So how did therapy help you? Would you say it was, it was very effective towards, towards, towards your healing? Hmm. I would say it was the starting point of my healing. You know, therapy really allowed me to have those first conversations that I was avoiding. It really allowed me to have those, you know, difficult conversations that I wasn't having. And I didn't have the, didn't have the confidence to have in other areas of my life because I didn't think anyone wanted to listen to me. I didn't think it was all that important. Um, you know, I had these skewed views on, of what it meant to be a man. Mm, uh, and yeah. so therapy really helped in having those first initial conversations, talking about it, realizing that I'm not alone. Mm, um, mm. And even just having like, just practicing those conversations. And then when I went to my friends, again, then it started a lot of conversations around, oh, mate, I didn't know that you were suffering depression. So am I. I'm also seeing a therapist. I'm also seeing a psychologist. And so it really... Um, yeah, uh, allowed me to have the confidence to say, okay, I can, I can talk about this um, in other circles too. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was really key um, without going to, you know, without seeing that first psychologist or having that first psychologist appointment, who knows how bad it would have gotten, you know, mm. probably, I probably would have had my week in bed, brushed it off and then kept doing my, my thing, which was, as I said, really bad behaviors and habits. So what, why is masculinity so important? Masculinity is so important because there's there's a couple ways to define masculinity. So mm. you can look at it from an energetic point of view, and that is you and I, we both have masculine energy and feminine energy inside of us. And for mm. men, about 80% of men will have a masculine core, which means that their primary drivers will be related to mass, the masculine energy. So, mm. and 80% of women have um, a feminine core, which means their primary drivers are focused more around the feminine. And the feminine is the ultimate desire of the feminine is love. And the ultimate desire of the masculine is freedom. And mm. so you can look at it that way, but masculinity 
in terms of um, what it means to be a man. Um, that's really important because we know that the number one contributing factor for long-term delinquency, antisocial behavior, and eventually criminality is fatherlessness. Mm. So it's lacking a father figure. And you look at all the jails in America and the statistics around where these men and women came from, it's something ridiculously high. And I don't want to misquote it, but it's something, it's 80, 80% plus of the inmates in jail are from fatherless homes. And so the masculine role model, the male role model is one of the most important roles in society. And we have demonized masculinity over the last, you know, the good part of the last 20 years. And as a result, we're in the worst place we've ever been me mental health wise. Mental illness is on a, a massive rise. Um, suicide rates, I don't know what they are in South Africa, but I know in America, England and Australia, we're sicker now than we've ever been. And mm -hmm. I, I believe a large part of that is to do with lacking healthy masculine role models. Um, and, mm, I, and I truly mm, believe that. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. I believe that COVID has been a blessing and a curse at the same time. The reason I'm mm -hmm. saying that is because you, before COVID, people didn't care about mental health, didn't care about mm. depression, didn't care about anxiety. So in doing so, COVID exposed so, so many things in terms of depression that people go under depression. For example, in South Africa, um, I think it was five, 10, 10 people died in a day during COVID-19 because wow. they lost their jobs. Mm. So depression became one of the things that were popular. And also I, yeah. believe, I think that our society is failing us as men because mm. our, our mental health is not focused as, as they focus, is not more focused than females because females, it's easy for them to talk. It's easy for them to, to try up over their pain. But also that gets to my question, how do we, how do you get men to open up? How do you get men to open up? Yeah. It, it, it starts by taking individual responsibility. So men like you, men like me who have already gone through the journey of, I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. I'll talk about it a little bit to having a platform to talk about it. Mm. It's really up to us to drive the conversation and lead other men and say, Hey man, it's, it's safe to do this. It's okay to do this and do it. I, 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 I don't know if you saw um, the UFC clip that's going around at the moment by, by the UFC uh, fighter, Patty Pimlet. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've seen that. I don't think so. I have seen it. No. Okay. Hey, it's 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 kind of going viral at the moment. A massive UFC fighter who's who's an Irish lad. Um, one of his best mates committed suicide, and and he gets up and he and he he talks about um, you know, we need to open up. We need to, as men, drop this stigma. And then I see every, you know, everyone's sharing it, and and it kind of pissed me off a little bit because we we now know these things like we now know mental health is important we now know opening up will help but we don't practice it in our daily lives mm. and because of that there's still a massive undercurrent of yeah mental health is important you guys should open up 
but me, I'm good. I'm fine. And it's that mentality that is causing us to still be where we're at. And so it's up to those who are already comfortable having these hard conversations to have as many of as many of them as you can in a week. Call your mates up and and open up to them first. Mm. Say, hey, hey, brother, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, mate, actually, I'm a bit stressed today. Um, I didn't get a good night's sleep, and yeah, I'm a bit stressed. I got rent due, bills are piling up. Um, I, I, you know, I, I still feel a bit off since COVID. I feel disconnected. And you start with that conversation. Then your mate goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, man. Yeah, actually I've been, I've been feeling something similar or, or yeah, man, the, the, me and the missus have been fighting a bit and it's causing me to be a little bit stressed. And, and so vulnerability breeds vulnerability and we've got such an easy way to pretend like we're being vulnerable through social media. Mm. It's really easy to mm. post and share about mental health, but it's still very difficult for me to live that out in my day-to-day life. Mm. But it gives off the appearance that, oh, well, look at what I'm doing for mental health. Look, I'm sharing this. Look. And it's like, that's not fucking helping. It's actually not anymore. If anything, it's giving you an excuse to not open up about your problems. And so one thing that I, that I started to do about three or four years ago was, so when, when I was, when I needed to talk to a friend, I would call up one friend. And I would open up to him and I'd feel better. And then that would be it. And then another friend would call me and he'd be like, how are you? And I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm good. How are you? And so I was only having these difficult conversations once and I would have them once. And I realized that it was doing me a disservice in that I was only connecting deeply with one of my friends and it was doing my friends a disservice because it only allowed one of my friends Mm. to be there for And that is... Mm what's the best feeling in the world is when you help someone it's when you um it's when you can help your friend through something or, or you know you buy a stranger a coffee it feels really good and mm. so i realized that actually if i'm only having this conversation once i'm telling all my other friends who aren't getting that conversation that i'm not opening up that i i'm not vulnerable and so what I started to do is I would have the same conversation multiple times. So one of my mates would call me up. How you doing? I would say, yeah, man, I'm, this is what's going on. I'd be really honest. And I'd sit with it. And I, and I always sit with that question. How are you? And I wait a couple of seconds to, to check in with how I am. Mm. And then I tell it. And then, but then I started having a conversation multiple times and it wasn't for my benefit necessarily. It wasn't because after this phone conversation, I was still struggling and needed to speak to another one. It was because I wanted all my friends to know what was going on in my life. And I wanted all my friends to be able to support me. And then I wanted all my friends to open up back to me. I didn't want just one of my mates to open up to me. And that really changed a lot of dynamics and a lot of friendships in my life was because I had this conversation now with, now that I was having this conversation with everyone in my life, everyone was able to benefit from these conversations. And that's, that's the point. It's that these conversations are beneficial to everyone that are ha- mm, that's having mm, them. Mm, mm, mm. It, it's, it's so sad that we sometimes when we we have uh, this little circle circle of friends, but be afraid to open up to them because sometimes sometimes it, it goes with trust issues. Being mm. able to not trust people, for example, you open like for example, we talking about myself. I've been open up to my true past relationship i opened up to them but 
I didn't get the response that I I expected. I didn't receive the, I would say, I'm looking for this this word. I didn't receive the support that I expected to receive. So I feel like mm. when you say, when when I when I said open up, can you please touch more on the on female side? How can women try to try to support us as men in terms of mental mm. health? Yeah, I think there's there's a well. Uh, so I think. I think men need to get one thing clear first in the conversation with opening up with women is your woman or your partner is not your mother mm. and she's not your therapist. Mm. And so starting from that place, there actually does need to be a level of discernment on the man on how much I open up to my woman. Mm. And that's not saying you shouldn't open up to your, to your woman or to your partner. It's saying, okay, pretend, pretend my girlfriend's here and I'm having a conversation with her and I'm struggling. I, I, for the feminine, the one of the most basic needs or one of the highest needs for the feminine is to feel safe and to feel safe in the masculine. Mm. And so if I come mm. to my partner and I'm a wreck and I'm, and I'm crying and I'm, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make money and, and I'm, and I'm stressed out and I'm, and I'm just, I'm capitulating, right? If, if I've come to my, my partner will immediately be turned off and I don't mm. mean turned off as in, she won't want to fuck me. She won't want to fuck me, but she won't want to be with me mm. because for the feminine, I need to feel safe. I need to feel safe that you've got me. I need to feel mm. safe. Mm. And so, but if I come to my partner and I say, and she asked me, how are you doing? I can tell you're a bit stressed. And I'm like, yeah, look, I, I am a bit stressed and um, you know, money, money is a bit tight or, um, or, or, you know, that my boss is working me really hard or, or I'm, I'm just feeling not myself, like, but you know what, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Like I'll get through it. And you do have that level of like, you're telling your partner what's going on. You're not lying to her. You're not putting this false bravado on of, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Cause that's not good either, but you're not coming to her and you're not coming to her continually as a mess because that actually isn't, um, healthy for the relationship. And it's not what women want either mm. and this is where this is where women have been lied to and this is where women are not not their fault but they're lying to men women are telling men open up to me open up to me open up to me women women don't want that what women want is they want a man who can lead they want a man who is strong who can make them feel safe mm. and if they've got that then they want you to open up if they can feel safe in you, then they want to know what's going on and they want to hear how your day is and they want to support you and nurture you. And so that's what they want. And so to the women, it's like, how do you get your man to open up more? Well, let's pretend like he's not opening up at all, which is not a good thing. Recommend a men's group. That's the solution. It's recommend a men's group and it's go and get a group of brothers. There's so many men's group out there now. I used to run, run run one. I work with men now, young men, but get a men's group because if you and I can sit down and you and I can have a conversation and with it with two or three other brothers, and I'm able to and I'm able to show up like the mess, you know, and I can show up and I can cry and I can be man. I'm like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing, man. I got a, I got a son on the way and my partner's breaking my balls and man, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And you guys and as the men hold space and say, don't worry, brother, we've got you. 
and then let's find some solutions. Mm. And that's where the power lies. So for the women, it's like find if, if your man's not doing the work, find try to find a men's group, you know, lovingly support a decision there or encourage him to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, don't push the, don't push the, I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to open up peace because what happens is so many times I've spoken to so many men where they open up and they go and they, you know, show what's really going on with their partner. And it depolarizes the relationship and the relationship breaks down. And it's not because it's not the woman's fault. It's not the man's fault. It's just, we've been lied to as a society on, on how we need to show up. And so I'm really passionate about like, yeah, open up to your partner, but still make sure that she feels safe in your energy and in, and in your presence and then go join a men's group. Like I've, I've just joined a men's group. I'm loving it. It's awesome. Um, and it helps. Like I can show up in that container and I can say whatever I want. I can be like, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm stressed out. Or I, if I go to my partner and I say, I've got no idea what I'm doing. It's not, it's not healthy. So to say that it creates a, a little bit of insecurities within your partner and your partner won't even trust you, trust you to protect her when you, yep. she needs it in this protection. Exactly. So exactly how can right. exactly. how can one get into this men's men's group? Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of really good Instagram, you know, Instagram pages that you can start to follow and just start to pay attention to what's out there. Um, Connor Beaton, who runs an Instagram page called Man Talks, is really good. Um, you know, follow me, Dylan Dot on Instagram. Um, uh, Stefanos, uh, Stefanos. Sifandos is a really good page as well. Um, there are men out there doing the work and leading the charge for other men. You know, w- Wisdom of Kings um, is really good. Uh, Masculine Revival is really good. So there's a lot of pages out there um, that are that are running men's groups that are working with men, and um, you just have to find it. You just got to put in the effort. So how can we shift our mindset from toxic masculinity to positive masculinity within our society. How can we change that narrative? Yeah. Well, we need to stop talking about toxic masculinity because what, and I, I'm not sure what the climate like is in, in South Africa, but I'm, I'm going to just assume it's pretty similar to the climates that I'm used to. And what, ha- like <clears throat> for the average man, when you bring up the term toxic masculinity, he immediately checks out of the conversation. Mm. He's immediately like, oh, fucking toxic mass. Like what, what you just, ha- you know, and, and for s- uh, some percentage of men, they immediately think, oh, you just hate men. And mm. so we need to remove the language toxic masculinity because, and I'm going to say a few reasons why, but one, because of that, because it, it's taking men out of the conversation and we need men in the conversation. Two, we need to remove it because what what do I do with toxicity? There there are no aspects of me, there are no aspects of you that are toxic. Because what do we do with toxic waste? We have to like it's radioactive. We've got to like put it in these special places on the planet and quarantine and no one can go near it. It's like you can't do that to aspects of your psyche. You can't just quarantine your toxic parts. And so 
there's that and we shift the language to wound I, I i use the language wounded masculinity because a lot of the things that toxic masculinity is trying to touch on is is these wounds these deep wounds that men have you know for instance you said just before um i have trust issues right mm. that's a wound a trust issue is a wound mm. and so when we can look at it as like oh you're just you're just wounded and you probably were wounded from the ages of zero to seven so you're a wounded boy and i'm not saying you just you i'm saying all of us we're all wounded boys and girls walking around in these adult meat suits when you look at it that way you go oh man um dylan's just a wounded boy how can i support him and how can i empathize with him and how can i get him help the toxic masculinity conversation is so much about shaming men mm. and is so much about mm. like you're there's something wrong with you and fix it and stop showing up this way and rah, rah, rah. it's like even me like and I, i've been you know i've been doing the work for five or six years even me i really mm. dislike the term toxic masculinity mm. and so and then the third reason as to why we need to shift it and to answer your question is the whole conversation is about toxic masculinity Mm. There's no conversation around healthy masculinity. You very yes, rarely there's no conversation around that. There's no conversation. And so all we're doing is going, men are bad, men are bad, masculinity is bad, masculinity is bad, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. And for the boys and the men who haven't grown up in any other time other than the last 20 years, which has been focused on toxic masculinity, mm. what am I meant to do as a young man when all I hear is masculinity is bad? I'm going to hate myself and I'm not, and I'm going to disassociate from the, the things that I think are masculine. Whereas we prop up and we talk about healthy masculinity and we say, we've got wounded men over here and we need to heal our men because we need, we, we need healthy masculinity. We need strong masculinity. Mm -hmm. And in some circles and, 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 and a lot of circles, you can't even make the point that masculinity is healthy anymore. I did, I did an interview a couple months ago and one of the other guests I was on a panel said that there's nothing healthy about masculinity. So what, what are we meant to do when there are people who think there's nothing healthy about masculinity? Well, again, we need to lead the way we need you and I men who understand the importance of masculinity. We need to show what healthy masculinity is. We need to talk about healthy masculinity. We need to mm. understand it better and lead for the next generation and heal the current generation so that, we do come out of the next 20, 30 years and we're in a better place. The last 20, 30 years, we've gotten to a worse place. Mm. And COVID definitely highlighted that as well of like, oh shit, there's a lot of people struggling and made it and made things worse. So we have to prop up healthy masculinity and talk about that. And mm. <clears throat> that's the solution uh, um, in, my, in my opinion. Mm, mm, mm. You, you really touched on some important things. Uh, you mentioned about something about childhood. I would, between zero to seven, um, mm. how do we as men found heal, find healing through, through our, during our childhood traumas? How can we tackle our childhood traumas as men? You got to do the work, man. You got to do the work. And I was, I was actually thinking about this before this podcast. I went for, uh, I had, uh, it was like it's seven thirty a.m. here. It was about, I got up at six a.m. I meditated, I journaled, and then it was about six. It was about six forty, and I was like, I'm gonna go for a run. I was like, fuck, do I, I, do I have time to do it? Go for a run before 
um, this podcast and, uh, and immediately my excuses started to pop up like, nah, man, 20 minutes, you don't know. And I was like, well, it's going to take me 10 minutes to go for a run. So yes, I do have time. So I'm just trying to make up excuses, just go. And so I went on my run and I came back and I was thinking as I got back, I was like, man, that was really hard. Like that was really hard for me to convince myself to go for a run. And then the run was really hard and now I'm back. But now I feel amazing. Like if you, mm. can, it's, it's seven, it's seven, seven AM here. And I'm like, I'm how energetic am I? Like I'm pump, I'm firing. And so the rest of my day, I'm going to have a great day. Mm. Why? Because I did something hard and at the start. And so <clears throat> this is, uh, and I was thinking about this before doing the podcast, the disease at the moment, the number one disease that is causing so much is comfort. Mm. It's comfort. And it's, we're so comfortable now. Like, like even, even, even uh, like even the poorer parts of South Africa, you go back to 100 years ago and those poorer parts of Africa would be like the best parts of a hundred years ago back then. Right. So mm-hmm. even like just everywhere as a society has leveled up to this place of comfort and nobody wants to do anything difficult anymore. And because nobody wants to do anything difficult anymore, we're in this place where, we're in so much pain it is really hard for me to get up at 6am go and meditate come back and journal out my thoughts every single day and then go and then go and exercise that's really hard Mm. but as a result of voluntarily doing those hard things i have a great rest of the day i have a great 16 17 hours my mental health is taken care of and i'm happier as a result of doing something hard Mm. now the average person looks at the something hard and says well i don't want to do that because it's hard and as a result the rest of his his life is hard the rest of his life is miserable his mental health gets worse his physical health gets worse he becomes lonely he loses friends he goes into debt he can't make difficult decisions and step voluntarily into hardship and as a result his entire life is hardship and so i was really thinking about that today before i jumped on i was like we have a disease of comfort that's what it is we have a disease of comfort and so to answer your question more specifically is you have to do the fucking work you Mm. want to look at your childhood trauma you want to heal yourself if you're not where you want to be right now then you should be working yourself you should have a coach you should be in a men's group you should be listening to podcasts you should be on youtube um looking at you know content that you you're interested in google like if i get on youtube right now and i say how to heal childhood trauma thousands of videos will come up Mm. but we're not so but that takes work and people don't want to do work and as a result not wanting to do work they're miserable like and that and i can say that because i can look at the statistics and say oh wow 80 percent of people have depression or anxiety at some point in their life okay we're miserable we're a miserable society now so if you can voluntarily choose to do the hard work and you say i'm not doing great right now or even if you are doing great but your life can be better i'm gonna go and choose to do a course i'm gonna go and choose and dedicate one hour a day to sitting in silence and meditating um i'm going to make sure that i'm exercising 30 look everything that was just common um common sense in the 80s right get your 30 minutes of exercise a day nobody's doing it nobody's even doing that basic thing of just like go and exercise for 30 minutes a day no you look at obesity levels so i read a statistics 
6% of Americans are um, cardiometabolically healthy, which means their hearts are healthy. 6% of Americans. Six. Six percent of Americans have healthy hearts. Yeah. So, so we're not better off than we were forty years ago. We've gotten to a much worse place, and why? Because life has gotten so comfortable. So, I, and today it really just struck home for me today of like, I need to do more uncomfortable things. I'm, I'm so I hate running. Like running is the worst thing I can do, mm. but I'm glad I did it this morning because now I'm gonna have a great day. Then you, so. Thank you so much for uh, for for those words, and thank you for being able to encourage the audience on doing the work, because like as you said, we have this disease of being comfortable in our own place. We don't want to be in a discomfortable place, whereas we are able to grow, able to see our own mistakes. So I really appreciate it. I really appreciate yeah. it. You. You point. You pointed out some points that men really need to analyze in their lives and in their relationships. That women needs to need to be safe first before you open up to them. Because if you open up to them, they will laugh at you and leave you. That's it. <laughs> if you if you if you if you open up too much, if you if you, yes. if you can't. If you, if you can't stay safe whilst you're opening up, if, a good way of thinking about it is if you can't regulate your emotions. So, so I open up to you and I'm like, um, and I'm like, Hey man, yeah, things are stressful and things aren't going well. Come, you know, I'd love to talk. That's okay. But mm. if I show up dysregulated and I'm like, Oh, you know, man, like, and I'm, and I'm a bit fidgety. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, it's okay. yeah you know, it's okay. Like, I don't know. That's, that is going to, yeah. Women. No, they don't want that. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate Thank it. you so much, man. Appreciate it.